Good morning. Turn with me in your Bibles to Jonah, the book of Jonah. And as we make our way through uh, the, the minor prophets, um, this is probably the one that's very different from the rest because you're probably very familiar with it. This is not just in uh, minor prophet terms, but in biblical terms, this is an incredibly popular story of Scripture. And it's different from uh, the other prophets because this is more of a narrative. Uh, it's a story uh, about a prophet more than it is just a, a list of prophecies that God is delivering to his people. As you're turning there, I want to remind you that uh, about our covenant family night tonight. Uh, this is our uh, second one. Uh, the first one, just we received all kinds of positive feedback on and just the way it was set up and and uh, man, we're excited about uh, the service tonight, and so please uh, attend that service uh, as we come together and uh, we look at the Word and, and also share some exciting things and, that are going on in our church, among our church members, and praying for them. Uh, I would uh, highly encourage you to, to be back tonight at 5 o'clock uh, with some finger foods uh, for that service. Verse 1 says this. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish. As we see large fish and storms and um, all kinds of strange occurrences, God help us not to lose fact of the great God that it reveals, the great, gracious, and merciful God that is far more merciful than any of us. God, move in us, teach us this morning through your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So what we find is a very interesting thing in Jonah because we see a prophet who is rescued by grace and then he turns around and is appalled by that same grace. And as we move through this story, uh, you'll see uh, that that is the case, that he's rescued in the first half of the story by God's amazing grace. And then the second half of the story, he's absolutely appalled at God's amazing grace. So what I want us to do is just walk through the story, and then we're going to close out. Uh, with about four points of application, I think this story is full of application for our own lives, and we want to look at uh, four of those that, that uh, I want us to, to capture this morning. But let's, first, let's look at the fact that Jonah is rescued by grace. He's rescued by grace. Jonah rebels against God, okay? God comes to his prophet, and he calls him to go to a city and to preach to them and to call them to repentance. God has decided that He's going to destroy this city. Uh, he's, their unrighteousness, their evil has 
come up to him, the all-knowing God. He's seen all of their deeds, and he's decided it's better for that city to cease to exist. It is better for me to wipe them out like Sodom and Gomorrah than to let them continue in their evil. Okay? But, God decides that I'm going to send them one last opportunity. I'm going to send them an opportunity to change my mind, to make me relent of the destruction that I've decided to give them. In much the same way of Sodom and Gomorrah, God, God gave an opportunity there. He said, if you find this many righteous people, I'll deliver the city. And that many people couldn't be found, and so he destroyed it. So he's giving God, even in the moment of his decisions to destroy a people, is so gracious to them and giving them an opportunity to repent. We see that the problem is not with, ends up not being with Nineveh. The problem ends up being with his prophet, the prophet Jonah, who says, you know what? No, I'm not going there. And so he turns and he heads the opposite direction. He gets on a ship and he heads in the opposite direction. Direction. Jonah did not just dig his heels in and say no. He took off in the opposite direction. He decided to rebel absolutely and totally against what God had told him to do. And we, next we see that Jonah is sovereignly spared by God. He's spared by God. If you've been at church much at all, you... You know what happens next. It's a great, like, we love to tell kids this story. It's just an amazing story. Um, they go out into, uh, they're, they're headed out on their journey, and there's a storm, and things are just awful, and they know we're about to die if something doesn't change. And so they figure out, they finally figure out that there's someone among them that's going against their God, and it's Jonah. And so Jonah admits, hey, I'm the problem here. And they didn't immediately throw him overboard. They, they then began to fight against the storm a little more. Like, we don't want to kill this guy, so let's, let's keep fighting against the storm. But the harder they fight, the worse the storm gets. And so finally they decided there's nothing left to do but throw him overboard. Now, God could have let Jonah sink to the bottom of the sea, chained to his concrete, rebellious heart. He could have done that. And he would have been fine and righteous in doing that, and just in doing that. We see that and his, his rebellion was pretty deep, because he doesn't just say that, hey, I'm going to flee the plan of God. He he says, I'm going to flee the presence of God. And so God could have said, hey, you want to be away from my presence? Why don't you try the bottom of the ocean and and die in your rebellion because you went against me and you desired to be away from my presence? After all, the the repentance of Nineveh Nineveh is not dependent on this one prophet it's not god could have raised up a hundred prophets to preach to nineveh he could have 
as we see as the story goes on, he could have raised a whole lot better prophets than Jonah. Because we're going to see Jonah's just not a great guy. He's, he has a great message, but he's not a great guy. And he could have, uh, God could have raised up hundreds of prophets to go preach to Nineveh. There is not now, nor has there ever been, a mere man that was essential to the work of God. God can always raise up someone else. But in His grace, He decides not to let Jonah sink to his demise. As he descends to the ocean floor, thinking, this is it, I'm a goner. Suddenly a, a shadow passes through, and there's something huge around there. And suddenly, he's inside the belly of a fish. And he's not dead. And the next thing Jonah knows is that while he's not comfortable, okay, it doesn't seem like he was comfortable inside of a fish belly, he come to the, comes to the realization that he is alive. That he is alive. And it says in, in uh, verse 10, And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. And Jonah, he grabs, finally grabs a clue, and decides, I'm going to do what God says because there's no way around it. And so he does what God wanted him to do in the first place, and that is to go and to preach to Nineveh. Think about what this says about God's preservation of his saints. I mean, think about that for a moment. How God preserves his saints through his sovereignty. Look at all that God did. Okay? He sent a storm. And then when that storm wasn't strong enough to, to get them to relent, to, to, let Jonah, to throw Jonah overboard, he turns up the dial of the storm. He makes the storm go stronger and stronger and stronger until finally they say, we can't, we got to throw Jonah overboard. When they throw Jonah overboard, God had sovereignly ordained a fish. Maybe he designed this fish just to, to be a special fish that Jonah could. I don't know how all that worked, but I know that God sovereignly had a fish prepared at that exact location, ready to swallow Jonah up and deliver him. And then God orchestrates a great fish to that great fish to go onto the shallow water and to vomit him up on dry ground. This is the link to which God will go to preserve his saints, to get them where he knows they need to be. We are so foolish enough to think that we can resist such a God. But, but we do, don't we? we? We think that, how often do we, do we have to take this long, stressful route through fish vomit to get where God told us earlier, hey, just go do it. Like Jonah didn't even have to get in a boat. He could have walked across dry ground straight to Nineveh and preached the Word, and it would have been a lot easier for him that to try to resist a God that does what He pleases with nature and with everything. 
Like, why would any of us ever resist such a God? And yet, time and time again, we go through storm, we go through fish vomit, when God provided just the easy, clear path of obedience. Verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 1 says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. I don't know about you, but I appreciate a God that will come to us the second time. Aren't you? I'm glad he comes to me, in my case, the third time, the fourth time, the fifth time, the hundredth time. I'm thankful for a God that does not let me go. A God that holds me, a God that aligns the world to keep me with him and keep me in his will. God was far more gracious to Jonah than Jonah deserved, and he is far more gracious to us than any of us deserve in his greatness of preserving us through his sovereignty. We see that Jonah celebrates God's mercy. Though Jonah is in a pretty uncomfortable situation in the belly of a fish, he can't help but be moved by the grace of God. I imagine that as he sank to the ocean floor, he realized this is it. I'm going to die in the ocean. And then suddenly, he wasn't. And here's what he says, starting in chapter 3, verse 6. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me. For This may be chapter 2, I'm not sure. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pray regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And so Jonah celebrates in the discomfort and in the seaweed and the smelliness of this belly in this belly of the fish, he celebrates the gracious mercy of God that saved him from the depths of his sin that was taking him to the bottom of the ocean. And so we would, we would expect from that, right, a, a man who was changed, a man who came out with a renewed heart of grace and mercy, but... That's not what we see. We see a man that's finally obedient because he feels like, i got to be obedient because i got no choice here. But we see a man that's actually appalled by grace. But first we need to see Nineveh. Nineveh, just like Jonah, was in rebellion against God. Nineveh rebelled against God. Uh, Nineveh is found in northern, what is now northern Iraq. It was founded by Shem, uh, Noah's grandson. It's the capital of Assyria. Um, and God says this about Nineveh. He says, Nineveh, that great city, 
uh, or, or go to, he tells them to go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. They were a brutal people. Nineveh was a, Syrians were a brutal, brutal people. They would go into a country and just annihilate it and then just basically rip people apart slowly while they're still alive. And they would take uh, the generals and, and things like that, the, the big wigs, and they would, they would decapitate them and use their heads kind of as centerpieces for their feast. Like after they were celebrating the feast, we conquered this country, and there's severed heads everywhere, like decorating their houses. And then after the feast, they would take them, and then they would go take them and put them up at the gates. And just in celebration of how brutal we are, they were a rough people. And we know that it's a rare thing in Scripture, uh, after the flood, it's a rare thing for God just to annihilate cities. Like he doesn't, he doesn't, there's so many cities and so many moments where people deserve to be annihilated and he doesn't do it. We can take, we can honestly know like Nineveh was a bad place. It was a rough and horrible place. They were in rebellion to God. And yet we see that Nineveh is sovereignly spared by God, just like Jonah was. Finally, Jonah is obedient to God and, and begins to preach. And look what happens in verses 4 and 5. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Not a huge message. Not, not a lot of flowery stuff there. Just, hey, forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. What are you guys going to do about it? And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The, the ruler even bought into this and said, hey, I think this is going to happen. And so he called all of the people to repent, to, to put on sackcloth and ashes, to do all the things that they needed to do to say to God, look, we're repenting. We're, not, we're, not, we're going to change directions here with who we are. And this is what verse 10 says. It said, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. And so you would expect, right, that, man, Jonah's got to be really excited. Like, like he was such a successful preacher. He went into like the worst city in the world, and he preached his message, and they, they turned to God, and God relented of disaster. Like, he's got to be excited, and the answer is no. Jonah laments God's mercy. He's upset about God's mercy. Verse 1 in chapter 4. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, okay? Like, he was really upset about it and he was angry and he prayed to the lord and said oh lord is not this what i said when i was yet in my country that is why i made haste to flee to tarshish for i knew that you are a gracious god and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster therefore now O lord 
please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. This is crazy town for a preacher. Like, like I know a lot of preachers, and some of them impress me, some of them don't, but all of them at least get excited when people respond to their sermons. And Jonah's upset that they responded to his preaching. And here we, we get his motivation from the get-go of why he ran. You know, a lot of times, if, I think if you read this in children's books or if you, if you, you know, hear this story told, a lot of times we're left with the impression that Jonah didn't go because he was scared of the people of Nineveh. That he was scared of their evil sin and their badness that they would kill him. That's not, he says right here, the reason, God, that I didn't go is because I was afraid you were going to save them. Like, he wasn't, a, he wasn't scared that they were going to do bad to him. It's worse than that. He was scared that God was going to do good to them. It's a staggering, staggering hardness of heart in a, in a prophet of God. And so God ends with an object lesson. And so he, he grows, Jonah basically goes up to the mountain because he's really hoping, hey, maybe God will change his mind and kill everybody and I'll get a good view of it. Great preacher. And so he goes up there and, and God sends this vine because it's all hot and, and God sends this vine to give him shade, just grows overnight. Man, Jonah, is, he's excited again. Man, God's, God. God's gracious to me. He's so good to me. And you know what God does? He sends a worm that devours the plant. And Jonah goes back to his pity party. He goes back so upset because he lost his shade. And what a self-involved prophet. And God closes out Jonah, the book of Jonah, by just saying, Jonah, you're man, what's wrong with you? In verse 10, And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle. So God is saying here, man, you are mourning just this creature comfort. Should I not mourn that there are 120,000 children? Children. Yeah, they may be a brutal people that cut people's heads off, but there's no children that's done that yet, Jonah. They don't even know they're right from their left hand. And you want them to be destroyed. What is wrong with you, Jonah? And so, I want to move into some application. With that in mind. Is it God's love and mercy towards us 
extends farther than that of man. And I think that is, man, the fish in Jonah, that's amazing. There's some amazing things that happen in Jonah. But I think what we're to get from Jonah more than anything, that God is merciful. That God was merciful with Jonah, and God is merciful with the people of Nineveh. He is a God full of great mercy. You know, people often act as though, like, like, God, like God's kind of the, the harsh guy. But us, us people, we're the loving kind. Come on. You know what it comes down to with us? Is we don't have the power to vaporize someone that cuts us off in traffic. Like, we don't have that power. If we would, there would be people going missing from El Dorado every day. Or we're scared of the consequences. We're scared, you know, I would like to do something. I, would, I know what I feel like doing, but I don't want to go to jail. And so I'm not going to do that, even though that's what my heart wants to do. And God is a God of absolute power and a God that answers to no one. And yet He chooses so often to be a God of mercy and love. far beyond any of us, far beyond any person. I mean, this is Jonah. Jonah is, is, is one of God's prophets. And when we leave the, in the end of Jonah, we see God saying, man, I'm so much merciful than you. Like, you know, you're, you're crying over a plan. There's 120,000 people, uh, kids that I'm concerned about. What a great picture of God's love and someone that we can worship knowing that He wants what's best and that He's a good God. He's a merciful God. And though He does not tolerate sin in His holiness, He's also a God that often provides an escape from the wrath of His holiness. We see in Jonah that we often celebrate grace when it comes to us and then we refuse it or lament it when it goes to someone else. This is a theme in Scripture. We see that in the ungrateful servant that Jesus brings up in Matthew 18, 21-35. What happens? This, this man, this servant, owes his master a ton of money. A ton of money. And the master says, hey, you know what? I'm going to forgive your debt. Man, he's so excited. Like, I get my debt forgiven. You're amazing. Thank you. And he goes out, and there's a guy down the road that owes him like five bucks. He's like, hey, where's my money? And the guy won't give him his money. So he starts beating him. He loved the grace that his master gave him, but he refused to pay, pay that uh, towards someone else, to give someone else that grace. We see that in the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector in Luke 18, verses 9-14, through 14, where the Pharisee says, comes to the temple and says, I thank you so much that I'm not like all these other people. That I'm not li especially like this tax collector over here. 
I do this, I give all my tithes, I do what I'm supposed to do. I am the man. And then the taxpayers over there saying, have mercy on me, God. Have mercy on me. He, he couldn't even lift up his head because he was sorrowful for his sin. We really see that. We see that here in Jonah, that Jonah said, God, I'm not like these Ninevites. They, I deserve your grace. I deserve to be delivered from the pits of the ocean. They don't deserve it. They don't deserve it. All the while, the Ninevites are sitting there in their sin, saying, God, have mercy on us. We've done you wrong. And I would ask you very practically to look at your life and your interactions with other people and ask yourself, where are you holding back the same grace that's been given to you through Christ? Ask that. That when God's given you second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth chances, you shut people down on the first rebellion against you or the first hurt. The first wrong word. And you dig your heels in and you say, well, I'm not going to forgive. I'm not going to forgive them. Folks, if, if there's someone that has hurt you and they are repentant and that sin has been pointed out to them and they're sorrowful for that sin and they desire to restore the relationship, who are you? To refuse them that. Because I guarantee you, the way they've wronged you is nothing compared to how you've wronged the Holy God, and yet He gave you grace. Far be it for many of us to be a Jonah that says, I deserve it. These people don't. May our hearts be far, far from that kind of heart. Because it's a heart that's far, far, far from a God who's forgiven us so, so very much. And in Jonah, we, we see God's, God's going to get you where you need to be if you belong to Him. And it's always beneficial just to choose obedience. That God will, if you belong to Him, He will get you to glory. He will sanctify you. But if you do it, kicking, if, if you're kicking and screaming against it, it's going to be hard. It's going to be storms and fish vomit. But God desires just, he's call, He calls you to things, right? You hear His Word, you read His Word, you're convicted about things. Things that need to be removed from your life. Things you need to address. And it's always better to address those things and, and not make Him move into action to make you address those things. And fourthly, the, the message of God is so good and it's so perfect that its power overcomes our shortcomings. 
Jonah is a mess of a prophet. Jonah is not the hero of Jonah. I mean, at the, the very last verse is a chastisement on Jonah. We don't ever know if he changed his heart. He's not the hero. God is the hero. And God's given us an amazing, powerful message, just like he's given Jonah. He gave Jonah. Oftentimes we think, man, I've got to ex deeply examine my motives before I share the gospel. I'll have to make sure everything in my life is perfect before I share the gospel. And I think God would say, I use Jonah. Jonah wanted the people he was preaching to to die. And I used that message that he preached to them. Folks, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have all your ducks in a row. Sure, you want to pray for God to give you great motivations and, and give you a great heart for people um, and, and, and make you an effective uh, evangelistic person. Yeah, you want all that. But man, sometimes we just need to move into obedience in proclaiming Christ. The reality is, is that the message we have is even more potent than the message of Jonah. Jonah had the holiness and love of God promised. We have the holiness and love of God personified in Christ. In Matthew, God, uh, yeah, Jesus said this. He said, An evil and an adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh, will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. So, Jesus says, Hey, if people responded to the message of Jonah, a messed up prophet. Imagine the power in the message of me and what I'm about to do. Folks, we have an amazing, amazing message, better than even the one Jonah got the people of Nineveh to turn from their sins with. But are we being obedient? Are we being obedient in telling others about this message? Let us be those that don't have to be drug to evangelism, but that we be those who voluntarily go into the world that so desperately needs this message that is so good of Christ that that just like Jonah was in the belly of the fish, uh, Christ was in the belly of the earth, and then he rose again. What a great and powerful message. So I ask you this morning to respond.
However God has, has spoken to you through His Word to respond, please stand as our musicians come. If you hear nothing else, know this from Jonah. I think this is the point of Jonah. Is that God is a merciful God that delivers His people and delivers the, most, the worst of people. He relents because of His great love and mercy. And he'll do that for you this morning as well. If you're here, man, you can't compete with Nineveh. You had not cut any heads off anybody. Don't think. So whatever you've done, there's grace that is sufficient for all of your sins, just like it was for Nineveh. Let's pray. Dearly Father God, thank you for being a God of mercy. A God who gives us not what we deserve, but how what you have purchased us in Christ. God, I thank you so much that we have a message that doesn't depend on us and our hearts always being right with it, but that we have a message that, of Christ that is powerful that will change lives if we would be obedient and preach it. Move in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.